Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. We're tackling a copywriting technique today, calls to action. It's a mainstay of every form of copywriting and we're going to be sharing our tips on writing them so that customers cannot resist them. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters and I'm the creator of the Copywriting Masterclass course. With me as always is my lovely co-host Kate Toon. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the recipe for SEO success learning hub. Now before we get into today's chat, I have a question and I really like this question, Kate. What animal would you own as a pet? If you could, like no restriction on space or expense or legal aspects. I don't know. This question is a deep question for me because I'm not really into owning animals. I think I think animals should be free. So I would probably just keep my dog because they're domesticated and uh, I'd buy another animal and set it free maybe. I don't know. What would you own? Oh. Now you're going to sound like an evil person, aren't you? Whatever you say. I am. I would trap and keep. No. <laughs> I would love. <laughs> I, I would. I would love to have a miniature potbelly pig. Oh well, they see now. Now you said that, I want one yeah. too. Yeah, I want I'm, one too. They look amazing. And when I lived in Australia, and we had this big block of land. I really worked hard at convincing my husband to get one, and he made me watch all these videos of people saying, "I bought a miniature potbelly pig, and it turned out to just be a baby pig, and now it's a huge pig that I don't know what to do with." Do you, Do you I- not follow Esther the Wonder Pig on Facebook? No, I do not. Oh my god! Oh my what? How are we friends, Esther the <laughs> Wonder Pig? It's like the most uplifting, wonderful page in the world two canadian guys who bought a baby pig thinking it was a pot belly pig it's now a 700 pound <gasps> commercial pig and it's a super she's a superstar she's got like over a million followers i've read the book i donate to them every month they've started oh a whole God. farm looking after creatures i would love to save a huge commercial pig from the horror that they have to go through oh and, gosh uh, yes yeah so esther the wonder pig We'll right, include I'm, a link in our show notes. Life changing. I just like their page on Facebook. I don't really want to even talk about calls to action now. I just want to talk about Esther the Wonder Pig. But, we have but to. I do actually. I follow a guy called James Breakwell on Instagram. He's um, a par- really funny parent dude, and he has a tiny little pig. So I, I get a pig fix, and it sounds like I'm going to get a double pig fix. Yeah, wait till you see Esther. You'll, you'll forget about that other pig. It'll just be Esther, Esther, Esther. But anyway. Awesome. Well, let's let's do it. Let's get into calls to action. Um, now I know that you wouldn't trap animals. <laughs> but, um, you know, let's – I think most of our listeners are going to know what a call to action is, but we like not to make assumptions, so I thought I'd just break it down really quickly. A call to action or CTA – as we say in the in the industry, is um, is a suggested action. It guides people towards an outcome. It's a clear direction. It's unambiguous and it is direct. And it's one of the huge factors behind driving real action from any piece of marketing. So, basically, what we're saying is, without action, your marketing campaign is simply a promotional broadcast. Action, call to action equals action. That's really what it boils down to. So we're going to dig into some tips on writing them, um, some call to action fails, and we're going to talk about buttons. Um, Did you want to throw anything in, Kate, before I hit everyone up with number one? 
No, I think I think I think you've summed it up very well. I think it's um, just that everything that you send out, every piece of communication you have, should have some kind of call to action. It doesn't necessarily need to be crazily salesy, but you know, even every communication you have should lead the reader to take a next step. And if you think of it that way, then it doesn't sound quite so pushy. Like, what do you want them to do next? It's a simple way of thinking about it. Absolutely. Um, So I think there are some obvious tips like using verbs, which are action words, but I think a good call to action is way more than just a verb. I think a a good call to action gives people a reason to take the next step. Um, And so that's my first tip, include a reason. So you know, turn download this thing into, you know, something more specific, download your free guide, download free tips to save crazy amounts of money without feeling the pinch. That's the reason. That is um, a more compelling reason to download the thing rather than just saying download the thing. So that's my first tip. Give people a reason to take the next step. Yeah, and I think it's very important to choose that verb carefully. So try out different wording to see if you can give your calls to actions a different appeal. So that's my tip number two is to experiment with wording and and try and pick words that don't sound um, difficult or laborious. So subscribe and register. And uh, they sound like, oh, they sound like really, really hard work, where instead you could say something like get started, uh, which doesn't sound such a big deal. So starting a trial has a much greater sense of immediate action than going through some kind of horrendous sign up process. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, that difference in one word, uh, start instead of sign up, can just give your reader's eyeballs a bit of a surprise. And so that can be enough to attract them to it for starters. And when you actually spend some time considering those um, alternative words, I think you can craft something that's a lot more appealing. So my tip number three, a good call to action tries to reduce the sense of risk around taking the next step because as you said in the intro, call to action is just about taking the next step. Joanna Weeb, who we interviewed in episode 47, we will include a link, she actually commonly uses an analogy that she says, when you ask a customer to take an action, you're presenting them with a closed door. And if they do not know what's on the other side of that door, they're going to get anxious and they're probably going to back away. Um, so what you need to do is you need to consider what someone might feel a little nervous about and try and offset those concerns. And you can do that by adding details like, um, instead of just download download and get started today, you might say, download and get started today, sign up in just 60 seconds, thinking that someone might feel a bit nervous about how long the process is of signing up and downloading and getting started is going to take. Or if you want someone to start the trial, you might say, start your trial, no credit card required. Because I think that's a common one when people are starting a trial, they're always a little anxious about whether they have to enter details in, how many details they're going to have to take, um, enter in to start this uh, free trial. So think about what people are going to get anxious about and give them a little more detail as part of the call to action. Yeah, I love that. I think especially with things like subscriptions, you know, it's kind of like sign up now, get started, cancel at any time. You know, that's the yeah. biggest fear that you have then. And all these call to actions, which is another you know classic Joanna Weeb statement is um, uh, finishing off the sentence, I want to. So, you know, I want to start the trial. I want to get started. I want to do the thing. Um, and that helps you kind of phrase the the. The, the verb and the structure of the thing a little bit better as well. Um, my uh, 
point on that is another way of doing that is also to um, add social proof to reduce the risk. So again, if people are feeling nervous that this is a big step, it's an expensive thing that they're signing up for, you can actually add some proof into that call to action. So saying join 100,000 other bloggers who have learned the secret um, could make people go, well, hey, if they've had 100,000 bloggers, um, you know, then they must be pretty good. Again, I would say with something like that, Ensure that you use specificity. I can never say it. Specificity. Can you say it for me, Belinda? Specificity. No, I can't now. Use specificity. Um, specificity. So you know, join one hundred and one hundred thousand two hundred and sixty-two would sound a bit more believable. Yeah. Um, I've got a little tip here, which is not in our notes, but one thing I really hate in call to actions are exclamation marks. And uh, we have exclamation marks in our notes here, but I just think they're like, you know, no credit card required. It just sounds a bit OTT. I think it's better to be a bit more emphatic and be like, no credit card required. I agree. It's more powerful than being a a squealing teenager. You agree with it, but you put exclamations in yeah, Belinda I did I did I can't I'm I'm an overpunctuator. I can't help I am help it I put two or three in and a question mark I like interrobangs <laughs> I'm a big fan of the interrobang um but that wasn't my tip I've got another tip tip number four um, use a call to action uh, that includes empowering and personal language. So try messing around with your pronouns and changing from your to my in CTA. That means you really can kind of take ownership of the action they're about to take. So instead of start your free trial, try start my free trial. It's subtle, that it might be worth experimenting with. I must say personally, although I'm giving you this tip, it's not something that I like to do. I get I get a bit confused with the whole your my thing. So I like to keep the direction that I'm talking to the customer and I'm telling them what to do. But I can see how it would be powerful. Have you used this one, Belinda? Well, like you, um, I don't use it all the time. I do use it sometimes, um, but sometimes when I read it, it doesn't fit. Like if I say start my free trial, um, it just doesn't fit. Uh, I wrote a piece of marketing for myself recently and I went, this doesn't make any sense if I'm suddenly switching my pronouns. So that's it. You kind of go back and forth and it just sounds a bit odd. And it's like, who's doing what? I don't, what? Yeah, I'm yeah, not doing anything. So you just, you know, play with it <laughs> and make sure it makes sense to the reader. Yeah. yeah. Um, but before we get into some fails, which I think is going to be kind of juicy, I thought we could just do a quick recap and a sidestep about buttons because I think that whole Joanna Weeb tip about I want to, um, you know, finish that sentence, I think it works really, really well for buttons um, because I think, well, I think when people think of calls to actions, uh, they mostly think about buttons. That's what you're writing, the big sexy button on the page. But I have to admit, um, I rarely write button text because most of my call to actions are embedded in the copy. How how have you found it? Yeah, I think it depends on what you're selling. So I sell a lot of products and, and uh, you know, t- like virtual things. So while I do have a kind of description, benefits, all that kind of stuff, there does come a po- point where they have to click a button to buy the thing. So I do have to have buttons. But I know what you mean more on my copywriting website, you know, at the bottom of the page. You know, yes, of course, I have a get in touch button, but it's more the copy around that that's important. You know, like, so if you want to blah, 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 and bloody, bloody, blah, then, get in touch that's is, is yeah. that the differentiation 
Yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think most of the copy I've written for clients have has had that kind of call to action at the bottom of the page where it's been talking about the service. And it's not necessarily appropriate for, for a financial planner, for example, to have a big button at the bottom of their very serious services page. Um, but I think more and more as designs change on websites, you will, you do see buttons more and more um on lots of different pages. So what I recommend my students do is maybe when they're writing for their clients is they may have a call to action at the bottom of the page, but they may also include a suggested button text if the designer wanted to include a button text. And that's when I think that Joanna Weeb thing of I want to finish, you know, finish this sentence (laughs) um, makes it really good for button text because it's really short and snappy. Okay, we're taking a quick break from the pod now to talk about a great tool from our new sponsors, JumpChart. Woohoo! Thank you, JumpChart. Yes, it's a website planning tool that helps you work out which pages you need and what to write on those pages. Well, I just use Word for that, so why do I need anything else? Well, it's all about the planning bit. JumpChart helps you easily plan the copy using their sexy sitemap tool. The sitemap literally builds itself and you can add pages, you can drag and drop them. It's like a website, but naked. So imagine there were a blueprint for a website. This is what it would look like. You can navigate to every page, manage the metas and the titles and see the bare bones of your website plan before you even push your first pixel. I Some of these tools are a bit hard for me. So is this easy to use? Uh, yeah, this one's, even you could use this one, Linda. It, <laughs> it has a really simple interface, clean design, and I like it because it's completely distraction-free. You just write, and they have these really cool things called content stats, which include helpful numbers like word count, but also how many times you've used a certain word and the readability level of your copy. Well, that does sound awesome. I would use all of those things. So... It sounds like you could use it for, say, a freelance copywriting project, but also maybe a book outline, perhaps. Um, and what about sharing? Could you share what you've done with a client? That's what I want to know. Yeah. yeah, you can. You can invite them to just. You can invite them to edit, risky, or you can invite them just to read your work. And then when you're done, you can export the entire project to a PDF or HTML. That does sound awesome. It's so awesome. It's a fun tool. It helped me quite a lot. All right. Where can I sign up? Well, it's free. There are paid plans, but we have a free plan too. Just pop over to jumpchart.com slash hotcopypodcast. Sign up today. And I'm going to say that again, people. It's jumpchart.com slash hotcopypodcast. And I think you're going to love it. Oh, and anyone who signs up for JumpChart using the link in our show notes will receive 50% off their subscription for life. But you have to get in before the end of August 2017. All right, let's get back to the pod now, Kate. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, as well, we're not just talking about copy that you're writing for your website. You know, when you're doing Facebook advertising or you're um, 
putting anything up there they often ask you um you know what button do you want do you want to go with buy now or learn more and there's a lot of psychology around you know buy now is quite a big step you know I've just seen an ad I'm not quite ready to go straight and buy it feels like I'm committing don't make me commit yet so you know thinking around what is a statement that's a bit gentler than that so I think yeah buttons are interesting there's so many different things you can do and try um I've been experimenting all the time with the sales page for my course as I know you do uh, Belindo because it's such a big purchase um so you know that button text is is an interesting challenge you know to get people through to the page where they actually have have to give you their credit card details it's a difficult thing to do yeah that's right um I think another tip with buttons is to, you know, use empowering language. Um, so have a button that says something like, I want some tips. I want to know. I want to get started. I want to take the next step. I want to, whatever it is. But it makes, you know, the user feel like, yes, I'm doing this um, and I'm ready to get started. Yeah, one thing that really bugs me is when you have one button that says, I want some tips. And another one that says, I want to stay, you know, not earning any profits. And you're like, oh, God, that's not the only two options. I know. That happens a lot with those horrendous page takeovers where it's like, you know, click here if you, you know, blah, blah, blah for our amazing stuff. Yes, I want to learn the stuff. No, I'm stupid and I don't care. It's like you have to click the no button to make the box go away. It makes you feel bad. Yeah, that's right. So we recommend our listeners don't write those calls to action. Make people look good. (laughs) But apparently they really work. That's the terrible thing. Yeah, we're, we're saying empower people. In a nice yeah, way. Not make them feel yeah. dumb. So let's 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 tackle some fails now that we've said don't make people feel dumb. But hopefully our listeners aren't doing any of these. Um, my first yeah. fail, I'm going to jump straight in, Kate, um, is okay, false okay. scarcity. Scarcity, because this is the story I always tell about getting sucked in by people. We both got sucked in, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. And I'm still angry about it. But what, what <laughs> false scarcity is, is using urgency. That's fantastic in a call to action. But when it's not actually real, lying, not cool, not cool at all. And kill, it'll kill credibility stone dead. So false scarcity in a call to action, total fail. Yeah, you've got to be able to back it up. So, you know, if you have a time, if, if time is is the, you know, the 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 urgency that you're using, well, you have to then, it has to be real. The deadline has to be a real deadline. Or if limited spots is is the the, the, the method you're using, well, then they have to run out. Um, and that's the problem I see a lot where people... Um, People use this kind of technique and then a day later you're told, oh, actually, we found five more paces. And it's like, oh, I hate yeah. you. Um, so, yeah, I really agree with you on that one. Well, my fail um, that I'm going to go with is too many options. So we've all been there, that kind of analysis paralysis where you come to the point to do the thing. And instead of there being one primary call to action, so it's really clear there are hundreds. There are lots and lots. I also think from a design point of view, I've always gone by the usability practice that the thing you want people to do should be in the bot- should be on the right and the thing you're not so keen for people to do should be on the left because we read from right to left, left to right. Which one do we read from? Okay, left, confused with my left, no, left and right. To, we read left to right. So 
Yeah, so the the final place where your eye lands on the page should be the thing spot where you want people to do the thing. And also think about the colour of the button. So if you have two call to actions and one is slightly less important, make the colour of the one that you want them to do much more stand out and then the one that's slightly less important kind of faded out a little bit. So I think that, that can help if you if you do have to have a couple of uh, call to actions. So for example, if you have a you know a banner on your homepage um, and you're saying to people, you know, we do this thing and we are awesome, you can have two calls to action, one which is learn more which is kind of your secondary call to action but then the big important one is call us now or whatever it may be and that one's really popping and maybe a brighter color i know um you know in my copywriting brief i would i sometimes get clients when i say what is it you want um, customers to do and they'd say well we want them to buy the thing um and subscribe to our blog and contact us and and they're like no 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 whoa whoa like you you get maybe two choices yeah, as you say, you can buy the thing yeah. or you can learn more if you're not ready. So it's about really prioritising what you want people to do. And about experimenting as well. And, you know, you know, again, we're talking about Joanna, we're such fangirls, but, you know, the whole point of conversion copywriting and uh, and kind of getting people to do the thing is to have different pages that drive different audiences to do different things. So yes, you know, people who've maybe just hit your site, their first time visitors aren't going to go and do the big thing straight away. So maybe there's something for them um, that they can start engaging with you, but not, you know, fully go for it. I think you just have to experiment and compare and contrast so much until it's very difficult to find a call to action that's going to suit every single person. So you need to be very clear on the exact audience that you're trying to attract yeah, that's a really good point. Um, my my next fail is just the call to action not standing out, which is something you touched on. You know, you've really got to think about how the call to action can be seen and presented and it's not just about how the buttons are. If um, you have a call to action at the bottom of, say, a services page, um, you don't want the text to just look like another bit of the page that people can just skim right mm-hmm. over. So, you know, we sometimes don't have control over this, but we talked a lot about formatting in episode 31 and a call to action is a, is a good example of some copy that needs to be formatted to make it stand out. Even um, with comments, recommendations, things like that. If it's not a button, it still needs to stand out on the page. Yeah, and, you know, a good designer will generally come up with an accent colour for the brand that's kind of the doing mm. colour. So that when anyone, over time, when anyone sees that colour, they know that that's when they have to take action, even without having to read the text on the button. Um, and then, you know, the, the rule is then that you can't use that colour for other things. So, you know, yes, we're copywriters, we can't control that, but we can be cognizant of it and make recommendations. So, um, yeah, good, good point. And my fail number three is it's kind of similar to your false guest you want but it's kind of around overselling and under delivering so you know don't make false promises in your call to action so if, if you say it's instant access well then it has to be instant access you know don't over deliver on your lovely little button and um, because you're desperate to get people to click it and then when they click through they find that the thing on the other side isn't quite what you promised because it's you know it's going to leave them disappointed and they're not going to they're not going to buy yeah, your stuff. Absolutely. So I think the running theme is <laughs> theme here is be truthful in your copywriting. I think it's yeah. pretty good. Be truthful, <laughs> or be able to, you know, just be able to back up back up your claims, and uh, you know, really by the time if you've written a well 
a you know, well-worded sales page or whatever it may be, the call to action button at the bottom should be a no-brainer. Yes. It should be the, you know, it should be so natural for them to, to click it. So again, as well, I, another fail, this is not a fail that we have listed here, is that the call to action is completely at odds with the copy on the page. So you've been all la-la-la, lovey and fluffy, and then the call to action is big shouty capitals saying bah, bah, bah. And it's like, it feels like they don't fit because maybe you've seen this call to action on another page and you thought, wow, that was really compelling. But the whole tone of everything has to yeah. hang together, has to be the same voice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I've got just one more in our fail list and that's no call to action. It's a big one. Yeah. Um, I tell my students that every piece of copy that you write needs a headline and a call to action. I call them the bookends of the copy and I think you absolutely need both ends. Um, and so the biggest fail is no call to action and it's on every page. Like you said, Kate, every page, every piece of marketing, everything you write to your customers and for your customers needs to have a call to action. That includes a common page that is left off is the about page. Yeah, interesting. I, I don't have one on my about page. So you're saying I should yes, have one on my about page? Yes, you should have one because, you know, say someone comes to your website, they read uh, heaps of your pages and then they get to your about page and they're, they're already feeling excited. Then they read how awesome you are and they're really, really pumped. What, what do they do? Yeah, yeah, maybe I do. I th- I read somewhere once that the about page is the, often the second most visited page yeah. on a website. So it's Absolutely. pretty powerful. We'll have to do an I episode so. about that if we haven't already. No, no, we, we haven't done, done the about page yet. <laughs> well, <I'm> <laughs> no call to action, Kate. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's oh your homework. Oh, my God. Um, yes. So... I think we've, we've, that was a lightning, a lightning episode through Calls to Action, but we wanted to do a quick technique episode to give you some easy tips. Uh, it's obviously a big subject. We could talk about it for hours, but those are some simple tips to work through. So let's have a little recap. Um, we've shared that call to actions need to be a reason to take the next step. Yep. You need to reduce the sense of risk around taking that step. Uh, try out some empowering and personal language. And lastly, we talked about some call to action fails. And I just we, we also talked about calls to action in the copy versus call to action in the buttons. I just I would recommend everyone spend some time on this. Don't leave it to the very last thing that you write on the page. Um, a lot of people spend a lot of time writing their headline and then quickly jot down their call to action without giving it quite enough thought. And sometimes you can tell when you read them. So it's time to say goodbye. Regular listeners will know that at this time we read out a review of the show. And today we're giving a shout out to Alison Jane Smith from Canada. And Alison says, yes, 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 three exclamation marks. If you are a copywriter or are aspiring to be one, this podcast is full of tips, anecdotes, and information to truly help and inspire you, all wrapped up in a fun and entertaining package. Make sure to check out the show notes for links and more info. Now go and listen. I love that. Thank you very much, Alison Jane Smith. Wow. It's a great review and also instructional. I chose it for the call to action. Well, you, you, you are good. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Your review will help other people find us and we will give you a shout out on the show just like Alison Jane Smith. You can also go to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the post for this episode. As she said, there are more links and info. And we would love to know on Twitter and Facebook, what is your wish list pet? 
let us know. So thank you, Kate. Thank you very much. Until next time, happy writing. So you're still listening? Great. Because I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Sadly, this one's just me, Kate Toon, but it is packed full of useful, practical, doable SEO tips and advice. You can find it in the iTunes store, on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Just search for The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Well, you were dropping out quite a lot for me, so I was just kind of... Yeah, you were dropping so, out for me, so it's probably the sound would be awesome <laughs> as well. <laughs> I the two parts together, but I was just kind of guessing that you'd finished. <laughs> awesome. We are such professionals. <laughs>